Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hi there, it's Halia. Just a reminder that the 2020 Board Accelerator Program is open and that super early bird prices finish just before Christmas. So if you're keen and the monthly sessions are via Zoom, so you can do it from wherever you are in the world, you'll find the link in the show notes to find out more. I look forward to welcoming you to the Board Accelerator Program. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. So today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be speaking with Alex Newton about human rights in business and what directors need to know and what to ask. We'll also talk through the new modern slavery laws and their implications for governance. First, let me tell you a little bit about Alex. Alex is a lawyer and specialist in business and human rights. She consults to corporations, governments and non-governmental organisations on a wide range of matters relating to responsible business, human rights, anti-discrimination, public policy and governance. She's previously worked as Director and Executive in Australia's Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet and before that in the United Nations Secretary-General's Strategic Planning Unit in New York. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Alex. Thank you very much, Helia. It's wonderful to be here. I know that the conversation we're going to have is going to be incredibly useful for directors around an area that is new and emerging and often people don't know about. So great to have you here. Before we explore human rights in business, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you. So can you tell me just a little bit more about you? Certainly. So I guess I've always been really interested in human rights and um, yeah, very driven by ideas about equality and equal opportunity. I worked as a, a lawyer initially in the early years of my career and then from there went to work in more in public policy, first for the UN and then for Australia's Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, as you mentioned. So I guess increasingly I became really fascinated by the role of business as it relates to human rights. And I really um, started to appreciate just the enormous impact that corporations can have in terms of positive impacts on human rights, but also adversely impacting human rights in their supply chains and, and operations. You've written, you've literally written the book around human rights in business and practice and principles. So where did the idea for the book come from? 
Right. Well, basically, it came from my work as an independent consultant. Um, so I've been running my own consultancy for the past four years or so. And in my work, I've encountered many corporate executives who are really quite unfamiliar with the concept of human rights and who question its relevance to business. And I've found others are aware of, of the UN guiding principles on business and human rights in general, but don't really know where they might start to implement them. So it really seemed to me that there was a, a great need for a, a 101 style guide explaining why businesses should respect human rights and how they can start doing so. So that's really where the idea came from. So it was originally, I guess, inspired by my work with executives, but then also the more I worked with government officials and also um, just talking to people in the, in the broader public, I realised that these are issues that have relevance to all of us and, and are really pertinent and, and important to understand. It is interesting when you've talked there about people questioning how human rights and business connect. And I imagine that is often the case where it's like, well, what's that got to do with us? What is the relevance of human rights to business? So what's the relevance of human rights to business? So human rights have a range of implications for business, both legal and non-legal. So in terms of the legal implications, historically, um, international law has generally bound states rather than corporations or individuals. But under international criminal law, Corporate executives and directors can be investigated or prosecuted for their company's criminal conduct. And likewise, under domestic laws, various countries now have legislation that regulate corporate conduct for human rights. And an example of this is Australia's Modern Slavery Act, which requires um, a modern slavery statement to be approved and signed off by the board or whatever principal governing body runs the entity. So yeah, that's one of the, the legal implications of human rights for business, but there's also non-legal implications. And these include the financial costs of human rights impacts for business and also reputational impacts. And we've seen recently some really absolutely enormous cost to business. For example, in 2010, BP's Deepwater Horizon explosion and oil spill, which actually cost 62 billion US dollars for BP. And that obviously had environmental impacts, but also human rights impacts. Likewise, the Vale BHP Billiton dam disaster several years ago um, had absolutely enormous, not only cost to life, but also financial costs for the company. So in terms of how human rights relates to business, there's many, many ways, and these are really important for, for directors particularly to keep in mind as they assess their risk to their companies. What are the sorts of things directors should be thinking about? How can they bring that to the board table? What are the questions they should be asking and how should they make sure that the organisation that they are governing has a proper human rights framework? Right. Well, I think it's really important to look at the particular business that you're in and the nature of your industry and the particular risk that your company and industry faces in terms of human rights. So this could be in relation to a business's supply chain. These will vary, obviously, relating to whether it's a small company operating perhaps just in Australia in comparison to an enormous supply chain 
operating multinationally all around the world. Businesses' supply chain, also the location that it's operating in, whether it's potentially a conflict situation or post-conflict situation, whether there are adequate laws in place that respect human rights, and if so, if those laws are actually enforced. Likewise, questions around the sorts of employees that your company has and whether you directly employ those or whether you use supplier agreements and third-party operators. All these questions can bear on the sorts of risks that you face in your business and in your operations. So in terms of what directors need to think about, it's really asking yourselves, are you meeting your responsibility to respect human rights? And that responsibility is set out under the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights that Professor John Ruggie from Harvard articulated through the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights that were endorsed unanimously by the UN Human Rights Council in 2011. The Guiding Principles set out a terrific framework that directors and corporate executives can apply directly to their operations. And I think crucially, it's it's important to think about human rights due diligence, which is really different to corporate due diligence. So, you know, as a former corporate lawyer, you conduct due diligence before you undertake a transaction, you tick all the boxes, make sure everything's in place, and then you go ahead and that that part of the project is done and dusted. However, human rights due diligence is different in the respect that it's continuous and ongoing. You have to ensure that you're constantly monitoring your supply chains and the risks across your operations to ensure that you are across all those risks and that where they do arise, that you address them appropriately. Okay, so determining, you know, how much of an impact it would have on your organisation and then, yeah, making sure it comes back regularly. So in Australia, there's these new modern slavery laws. Give us the summary. What do we need to know about the modern slavery laws? When did they come into effect? Who do they impact? What do we need to know? Yes, certainly. So Australia's Federal Modern Slavery Act was passed by Parliament at the very end of 2018 and it commenced into operation on 1st of January 2019. So this act states that entities with $100 million or more per annum will be required to submit an annual modern slavery statement to the Australian government. And essentially what this means is that statement will need to outline the steps that the organisation has taken to combat the risks of modern slavery in its supply chains. So it's an annual reporting requirement. It applies not only to corporations but also other entities, so hospitals, universities, not-for-profits, and actually even the government itself is required to submit a statement. And the Australian government has said that that's actually a world first, that it's the first time a government will also be reporting under a Modern Slavery Act. That's really interesting, I think, and, and shows the level of commitment that the government has to really following these principles itself and its own procurement and supply chain. You know, my ears pricked up there when you said it applies to all organisations and you reeled off a few and one of them was health. Yes. You had said earlier that you wrote the book because you'd often heard, oh, that doesn't apply to us. That's not, yes. you know, this human rights framework or the modern slavery framework. It was probably more about human rights generally because the modern slavery laws weren't in place, but I imagine it's the same sorts of arguments. And I imagine for organisations that are in mining or manufacturing, and some of those industries, they do, hopefully, 
more regularly look at these things. Now, I'm on the board of a hospital, of a health service. Yes. How might these things impact what we do? If you look at your your hospital and the sorts of equipment and materials that you use every day or that the doctors and nurses use every day, there's just a whole range of things, I guess, that will come to mind in terms of medical equipment, sorts of machines that are needed in hospital setting, and then also the sorts of disposable things, the, the rubber gloves, the syringes, the instruments, and then also the facilities in terms of the the sheets, the towels, the cleaning equipment, all these things have an origin somewhere and suppliers that are providing them to the hospital. Um, so, yeah, thinking about where these things have come from, what the potential impacts might be in terms of how they're produced, are there potential adverse impacts on the people that are supplying them? That definitely really important questions to be asking. Um, also in the medical context, um, there's been an inquiry recently on the issue of organ harvesting in China. And that's an issue I think that also has implications for the business community in terms of individuals travelling to China in cases of no doubt extreme desperation, um, seeking medical treatment and how we're facilitating that as, as in terms of the medical system. This is a really, really topical area in terms of the medical industry and what the implications might be for people in that supply chain in terms of abuse and exploitation. Interesting. So it's really looking at it quite broadly from, as you say, organs through to the rubber gloves that are being used in the hospital. I feel like I'm getting my director advice here, Alex, and it's because I absolutely am. In a practical sense for me as a director of our hospital, what should I be asking for? It sounds like almost our procurement people, for example, need to map out exactly where things are coming from and seek assurance about the supply chain. As a director, what should I be asking for? Yes, I think you should really be asking questions around how is your organisation, how is the hospital meeting its responsibility to respect human rights? How are these issues applied by the procurement team? How many suppliers are in the supply chain? What are the particular industries that these suppliers are coming from? And particularly asking where are those suppliers in industries that may be indicative of higher risks in terms of the impacts for human rights. So there are certain sectors where we know, the apparel sector, for example, we know that there are high risks of human rights violations in terms of the fast fashion industry. I'm not sure about sheets and towels, but the cotton, presumably, that's used in those products um, very well could come from, from circumstances that are compromised in terms of the human rights of the, the individuals producing them. So I think you're yeah, really, as I said before, focusing in on the products and services that you provide as an organisation and looking at where are the particular risks likely to be greatest because I think one of the problems people often face is they feel understandably quite overwhelmed when you look at the number of suppliers you may have, whether it's a hospital, a university, a corporation. Many organisations have a, a really immense supply chain that is dispersed and labyrinthine in terms of its its layout and I think you can't do everything at once but you need to start with the highest risk issues mm. um, so start with those first and go through systematically devising a plan for how you'll get to the the lower down risks and issues later on 
Hi there, it's Helia. Just popping in here to give a few quick shout outs to fabulous Take On Board community members who have been helping to spread the word about the podcast. So, in particular, a big thank you to Angela Bell, Emma Short, Samantha Sharp, and Zora Artis for sharing on various forms of social media in the last week or two. Angela, you're awesome. You shared it on both Facebook and LinkedIn and said, if you're on a board or interested in getting on a board, then I can highly recommend Helia Svensson's podcast launch this year. Every episode of the podcast has someone sharing their stories about their first board meetings, their learnings, and what they're bringing to the table. Yay. Thanks, Ange. Thanks for sharing. And a big welcome to anyone who's listening because Angela shared that. Emma, thank you. You said, for my fellow podcast addicts, subscribe to Helia's excellent series on board-related stories and approaches. Useful for anyone in the workplace. Zora, thank you yet again, who shared Claire McCartan's episode and saying it was essential listening for anyone interested or looking for a board director role as Claire McCartan shares many nuggets about the search and recruitment process that's invaluable. I know Samantha Sharp also shared that episode with Claire McCartan as well. I would love it if you shared it with your friends or colleagues too. So either share this episode direct from your podcast app or feel free to share it via social media. And let me know so I can give you a shout out in a future episode. Thanks for being here and now back to the show. So as a director of a health service, we are clearly covered by this by the sounds of things and we are required to make a statement around the modern slavery laws. What are our timelines for this? How does, how does this work for us? When do I need to get it on the board agenda? Yes, this is a really good question, Helia. Thank you for asking me. So it will depend upon the timing of your financial year as an entity. So whether, whether it is a, an Australian financial year that you follow or whether it's a calendar year that you follow. So essentially the modern slavery statement must be delivered to the minister within six months of the end of the reporting period. So that will vary. Great. All right. Well, it sounds like I need to be getting it on the agenda given our financial year for us finished at the end of June. So um, thank you for that beautiful pro bono advice about how we should be handling this. It's incredibly useful for us, I think, which also I suspect means it's going to be incredibly useful for a whole range of other directors that might be listening to this and knowing that we actually need to be doing something about it. So it's great. Yeah, and just on that also, I might just add that the statement is the end of the process. So essentially, it's important to start well ahead of the statement due date because there's a whole lot of work and due diligence um, and conversations that need to happen both with your suppliers but also internally with your corporate executives and with your board. So it's really important that you start um, as early as possible as a board to look at these issues and if you don't have the expertise internally to, to seek resources from outside to help you to meet these requirements um, adequately. Excellent. Okay. Well, you have prompted me to ask this at the next board meeting. It may well be that the organisation has already started work on this, but as a director, I need to assure myself that they have. So I will be asking around what work we have done to fulfil our requirements under the modern slavery legislation and uh, be seeking a bit of a timeline to make sure that we can find out about that. So thank you. That is fantastic advice. And I would encourage other directors to be doing the same in their organisations as well, because it sounds like it has quite a broad brush applicability. So worth finding out about. 
Now, one of the other areas I know you touched on in your book around how human rights might impact businesses is another area that's got quite a bit of media attention and other attention around sexual harassment and discrimination. Certainly, if we're thinking reputational risk and others, leaving aside just wanting to be a good workplace, we know there might be some implications. But can you talk us through the sorts of things that directors should be thinking about here and and having a look out for? I included a chapter in the book specifically dealing with sexual harassment in the workplace. And I think this is a critical issue for directors to engage with actively. Um, We know that sexual harassment is extremely prevalent, both harassment and other forms of of sexual discrimination. And we know that it's also a very complicated issue and there are no easy answers. So I think one of the, the key things for directors to be focusing their minds on is what kind of corporate culture are you encouraging and inculcating across the organisation? And this this comes down to what sort of conduct is encouraged and tolerated, how is this encapsulated in corporate policies, and really importantly, how are these behaviours modelled by leaders of the organisation? And when there are issues that arise, does the organisation put their money where their mouth is and take decisive action to deal with it effectively? So I think, yeah, there's a range of really important issues for directors to consider. It's crucial that they have the relevant policies and procedures in place so that you can roll out appropriate training on a regular basis and ensure that that is up to date, both in terms of the content, but also in terms of the procedures that employees are trained in so that you can ensure that everyone's up to date and really cognizant of these issues. So you can try to prevent it as much as possible but then also being aware that no doubt it will happen from time to time and how do you respond to that as an organisation and how does the board lead to ensure that best practice is followed. Mm. I imagine with an increased focus on sexual harassment in the workplace and discrimination in the workplace that, you know, somewhat ironically my punt is that there is more reports of these things happening, which doesn't mean that it's happening more in the workplace. It just means it's now being reported more often And then as management and directors become aware of it, that response to it is vital. I think that's right. It's a a funny sort of chicken and egg thing, isn't Mm. it? And as we saw with the Me Too movement that started in the US and then really spread globally, I think there's a whole swathe of shame that encapsulates these issues and that movement really empowered mainly women but also men to speak up when they had experienced these issues either recently or in the past. So I think, yeah, it it has been a great thing in terms of bringing these issues out from the dark. But, yeah, we just have to ensure that we're vigilant so that that we can hopefully see an improvement in terms of the outcomes for people that come forward and report. So for directors, it's, it's making sure that frameworks are in place around policies and procedures and so on. But I think what I'm hearing there is also... Culture is key in this. You know, there's been talk about culture from the Financial Services Royal Commission and from a whole range of other areas and really leading that and making sure it is open and transparent and responds well to the issues when they arise as they, well, hopefully not inevitably will. I think there'll be a spike in reports and then hopefully that will come down the other side. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we've covered so much and you've given me some fantastic advice for our organisation. Thinking about the conversation and what we've covered, what are the main points that you want people to take away from what we've talked about? So I think one of the key points is that human rights are relevant for all 
businesses and it doesn't matter what sector, what industry you work in, whether you're based solely in Australia or whether you're working internationally, these issues are pertinent for all organisations. Also, I guess the importance of engagement across not only the board but also your senior executives and then right down through the organisation so that you can have an ongoing conversation with with employees at all levels of the organisation. So I'd also underline the importance of human rights due diligence and starting early, as I said, not only with modern slavery statements, but also starting early to look across your organisation at the sorts of risks that it faces in terms of the, the specific industry it's in and the work it does. I'd encourage listeners and particularly board directors to really proactively engage with these issues, read a bit about the topic of business and human rights. And um, obviously my book is a great place to start, but also, also the UN Guiding Principles set out a really wonderful framework that can help you in this process of understanding your obligations and most importantly, what you need to do to meet them. Fantastic. And we'll make sure we put a link in the show notes, both to your book, which will be incredibly valuable for people, and also a link to the UN Guiding Principles. We'll make sure a link there's a link to both of those in the show notes. Wonderful. Um, Thank you. And finally, I mean, you've given me some fabulous actions and steps that I might take away from it. What, what's your suggestions for our community around what they can do? What are just some simple steps that people might be able to take? Yes, I mean, I think what I try to emphasise in the book is that really these issues apply to all of us. We're all either consumers of products, many of us are employees, we're community members, we're impacted by business every day of our lives. And in many cases, that's in a positive way, but occasionally, sadly, that is in a, in a negative way. So I really would encourage people to ask questions of corporations to be interested in how business supply chains impact on human rights and on communities more broadly. And I would ask executives and boards to, as I said, to think really um, proactively about how they're meeting their responsibility to respect human rights, what processes do they have in place, and also what policies they have and whether they reflect best practice in terms of the UN Guiding Principles and other frameworks that have been enormously valuable to us in recent years. So in many cases that that expertise may come internally, but in other cases organisations might have to look outside in terms of of the resources that they can pull in to help them meet their responsibilities. So it's very much an ongoing process, as I said, to respect human rights and, yeah, obviously something that people need to, to be vigilant about on a continuous basis. Fantastic. Well, I will certainly be taking your advice on that, so thank you so much for that. Alex, thank you so much for this conversation. It has been, as I say, not just incredibly useful for me in my governance of the hospital and we'll be raising some of these issues, but I'm sure that we'll also raise similar issues and it'll be getting raised in boardrooms all around the place after this, which is fantastic. And I kind of see in some ways the obligations that we have under the modern slavery laws and because it's such a new piece of legislation may well allow us to think more broadly for those organisations that haven't considered human rights business it is a catalyst for us to have that broader conversation as well so thank you so much for taking us through some of these things I know it will be incredibly valuable for people thank you so much Helio it's been so lovely to speak to you and to have the opportunity to um, to connect on these issues that I'm very passionate about so thank you so much fabulous thanks Alex
That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.